The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Here's the thing you guys don't realize, or maybe you've realized it at this point, but stuff is always changing on this show. Yeah, it is. All the stuff you <laughs> see that is kind of the forward-facing, public-facing stuff is the result of us constantly tweaking something in the background. And I'm bringing that up now because we are sitting in a completely different podcast environment. And and I'll admit... It probably sounds like it. Yes, it probably uh, you, does. You can probably tell because of the audio quality. We're bringing it right up front. And, and, and please know, also, we're sitting in a room together for maybe the first time ever in the history of the podcast, except for standing together in Chicago. Oh, that's true. And You're being right. together at the pilgrimage trip. Those are the only You're two right. times we've been in the same room. But we're actually going to start from here going forward, podcasting in a room together, which I know you would think, why wouldn't you do that from to, the to begin beginning? With. Right. But anyway, but here right. we are. We're in a room, though. We're still baffling for sound. So there's, you may hear some echo. We're, trust us. We're just getting started on this. But this is the first podcast of that. We've been working on it for a while for two reasons. One, so that we can actually see each other because there's those visual cues when you do this kind of playoff. And also because we want to have more guests. And our yeah. setup yep. before was not guest-friendly. This is crazy looking at you. It is weird. And what's even weirder is you're wearing the red shirt. I'm wearing the blue Stop. shirt. Only because... It's getting even weirder. No, no. We're see, podcasting we, in uniform, that has to which be is explained. crazy. That has to be explained. <laughs> okay. All Only right. because earlier we were we, we were recording a piece. You know, those, <laughs> when you see Tom's pieces, that always has a close with us in uniform. We were recording one of those right before we did this podcast. So we had to be in uniform to be on camera. Yeah. I, I want to promise all of you listening, we have never... Put on red and blue to do the podcast. I guarantee never you. You We're don't sl- think that's true, but yeah. I promise you that it's true. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, as Todd said, this is going to get refined. So you're going to hear changes in audio quality. But our goal is, again, to keep getting better and keep improving things. We're in the same room. Again, this is it's, so it's strange. Weird. We're making more of it than, than people yeah, think there is. So. But it's, it's because you and I are always been – we talk about it being well, a phone call. It's been a phone call. It has been, yeah. And now we're sitting here looking. I, I'm watching you talk, which is weird because <laughs> that shouldn't happen. But here we are anyway. All right. Well, we've got a great podcast for you. Lots of questions we've posted up. And thank you again. I know we keep thanking you, but you guys are getting creative and digging in. Mm-hmm. This is really great. We've also got Tyler in New Jersey and John in Seattle, so both coasts of the U.S. here, talking about debates for them. And this is going to be great and a little different because, generally speaking, we always have an enthusiast focus here. Mm -hmm. We're always coming Mm -hmm. at it as, you know what, mileage isn't as big of a thing and reliability is further down on the list. Sure, But that's not the case for both these guys. Actually, I'm hearing reliability in both of their podcasts or both of their debates here that they've written. It's almost like reliability first and then everything else, every other category that you and I talk about. It's a big factor. You're right. Which is interesting. So we're going to get to those. And uh, yeah, there's there's so much. We thought we'd do a whole lot of questions, as many as we can. Definitely. But I say we just jump right into the debate here with Tyler in New Jersey. We should. Uh, Tyler's got an interesting story. Actually, both of these are interesting. But he's got an interesting story because uh, he has inherited a car. And it's it's not... Actually, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's John that inherited the car, right? Am I mixing up my... John inherited the car. John inherited the car. So the situation with Tyler is wagon related. You remember, this is actually uh, quite fortuitous. Remember uh, a couple podcasts ago, I recommended the Lexus IS300 Sportback. You did. You did. I remember that. Guess what? Our friend Tyler owns one (laughs) that he really likes. Amazing. And he was shopping. He had a GTI and uh, it was starting to be a a bit of a pain to maintain. So he got himself an 08 
it's kind of the one you had, an 08 Audi A4 wagon. Yeah, right. right. Thinking, okay, not turbocharged. That'll be cheap to maintain. Not true. Not true, by the way. That was not Tyler's experience at all. <laughs> uh, so then he was looking for, he says, an Acura TSS wagon or maybe a Subaru Outback and found one of these Sport Cross IS300 Lexus wagons and went, I'm going for that. Still really likes it, but he's just realizing it's just getting old. So it's replacement mm-hmm. time for that that he's liked. We should actually have him sell that to the person that is looking. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track. So he's looking <laughs> exactly. for kind of the new do-it-all wagon, and that's got him a little bit confused because, uh, well, with what he's got, $25,000, he's not finding a lot of good choices. Yeah. Well, Tyler, I'm wondering what line of work are you in that you drive twenty five to 30,000 miles a year? This is amazing. We've had a few of you write in with the high mileage, you know, the high mileage jobs. Yeah. I I still can't believe it. I was actually just talking with uh, one of the guys in our coffee club mm-hmm. about when he was early on in his career, he was driving 6,000 miles a month. We were talking about speeding tickets is what we were doing. Mm. And Why, why uh, would you talk about speeding tickets? Why did I, that come up? I don't know. I, That's I really weird. don't know why it's that really came strange. up. Yeah. It is a strange topic for me to talk about lately. Yeah. So, yeah, Tyler, you've got this long, long commute. Well, not commute, but you're just driving around a lot and uh, – Thinking about what's out there, I like the suggestions that you've mm-hmm. brought to us mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, the story is the wagon, the Acura TSX wagon. Yeah, which we've talked about many times, yeah. So he's got the O2 IS300, but again, he's mentioning that this is kind of getting dated. He can mm-hmm. feel some of the, all right, I wish I had this feature. I wish yeah. I had this, just yeah. those modern things. And he wants a little bit better gas mileage. I mean, he's yeah. he's getting he's doing a lot of highway miles. He's only getting about 23 miles to the gallon. He's hoping now that that Sport uh, Cross only has a 5-speed. That's certainly a factor. He's hoping to uh, to find something with a little bit better gas mileage in the midst of everything else. So, uh, hopefully, we'll do some good stuff here. The the um the car on my list, Tyler, that I am really intrigued with here is the 2017 Honda Civic Hatchback hmm, okay. Sport. And I'm noticing just on the photos here that I'm seeing online, it appears as if the front grille is tipped forward. An hmm, element hmm. of that front fascia is tipped forward like we saw from the BMWs in the 80s. Oh, sure. It's an yeah, interesting yeah, kind look. Kind of the shark-nose-looking shark thing. Yeah, yeah I'm digging yeah, yeah. this look. I, the more I look at this car, I'm really liking it. So, again, we're we're focusing on reliability for both these guys. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, in terms of just being there for long distance, really racking up the miles, putting high miles on this car, I've always come to Honda. I mean, my sister was into Hondas and Toyota Camrys just from a mileage standpoint because she yeah. and her husband, her boyfriend and now husband, <laughs> they uh, they work for Princess Cruise Lines as drivers in Anchorage, Alaska. They, that's right. I'd forgot they did that. That's weird. Yeah, So that's they right. went to school in, in Seattle. Uh, John, they actually went to University of Puget Sound, and their summer job was driving motor coaches in Alaska. So they deadhead down to mm-hmm. the port in Seward and pick people up. And take him on the hmm. tour. I mean, she hmm. was she had her CDL. Both of them did, and they wow. you know talked to each other on the radio. And she was driving tour buses around. But the point is, they would drive the Alcan Highway, and mm-hmm. they would need a car for college. But they would drive up there in the summers, back and forth. I mean, that road is not as good as it is now. I mean, then it was not as good, and, <laughs> and it's just, still not good. I mean, <laughs> they not, had oh a, a breakdown road that just went the distance. And of yeah, course, yeah. that's why we always gravitate towards that. My preference is Honda, Honda but Hyundai's up there too. Mm, yeah, and I figured. I'm not surprised. I, I'm noticing. You're putting him in a Kia Soul. Is that where we're headed? <laughs> no. Really? Okay. Wow. Okay, As a matter of fact, I'm, uh, I'm branching back out to Hyundai. I'm kind of backing away a little bit from Kia. But I'm looking at this car online here, Tyler. 
It's the 2018 Elantra GT. Hmm. Now, it's not out okay. yet at this point. At this recording of the podcast, we don't have it yet. But I'm I'm turning my laptop here so you can see it here. Sure, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. liking this thing. Yeah, it's cool. I'm digging well, the it. Well, cur- the current version looks pretty cool, too. But, I mean, yeah, they're refining it further. Yeah. And so I look at uh, Hyundai's warranty. I come to them from every time I drive one. It's like they are now what Honda was five, ten years ago. They're rapidly catching up in terms mm-hmm. of that feel. The way the door closes, the way the switchgear feels, yeah, yeah, all those things that just feel thoughtful and well sorted, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. still a good price. You know where your money went. You really do. All yeah. those kinds of things. It feels that Honda quality to me. Whereas sometimes Toyotas in the past, I'll say in the past, have felt a little bit like we're cutting corners here. You can kind built of feel where the money didn't go. They're built to a price. Yeah. You you can you can. Yeah. I hate to say it this way, but a lot of times you can feel the accounting. It's like, oh yeah, the accountants were here, and then they were over there, and then they were and here. Then a bit they visited too. this department, yeah. and then they paid those guys a visit. And they then walked they... into seats and went, "Nope, we're doing none of that." Yeah, yeah, that definitely happens. Okay, uh, I'm, I like that. Uh, I'm looking at this GT now. Of course, it's not out yet, but something to to take notice of. And again, the designers at Hyundai are killing it. I feel like they they've just really positioned themselves well. It's it's taken a while. And they're moving slowly, mm-hmm. but every time, mm-hmm. you know, the the Kia Nero, the um, the Kia Stinger coming out, yeah, just yeah, yeah, incrementally, mm-hmm. they're just getting better and better. And definitely, so I really definitely. I take notice of this car. And then lastly, uh, Tyler, you've got on your list the Mazda three hatch, yep. which is going to be absolutely reliable. We love that car. We definitely, love the dynamics definitely. of that car. And I think all three of these are going to fit into that twenty five thousand dollar budget. Mm-hmm. That's still, as you said. I'm open to certified pre-owned. I'm open to something used that's still going to be reliable. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. seems like you're leaning towards the new car thing and just knowing the warranty is there, all those things are there, you know, brand new. But I, I'm i leaning that. I'm leaning towards it's, the Hyundai. It's classic you and me here because I'm realizing as I look back over my list, I didn't pick any new cars. <laughs> I got him into an updated used car across the board. Hey, that's okay. Uh, I have okay. I have two I want to bring up that you didn't bring up, and then I have one that I'm putting in the route of the uh, the wild card category because I I've never brought it up before, and it is it's hard mm. to find. But I thought, wait a minute, mm, because okay. there's an, another undercurrent here in Tyler's story, and I feel like you are wanting a car that's fun. I oh feel yeah, like this, that's still on this, the list. This Lexus, this Lexus has been fun. And it's sure. kind of – it's just that it's getting old. That seems to be the key thing. That yeah. and, and the mileage seem to be the thing about it. So I thought, all right, let's update you in tech. Mm-hmm. But let's try to keep you in fun. You even say here you've kind of considered the, the Volkswagen GTI, but you were, because of your past experience, worried about reliability. So, okay, I'll just step away from that. Okay. Even though I think it would be – I mean, he's doing a lot of mileage. He says he has to get two large rollabout suitcases in fold-down seats. That's the size we're talking about. He would love to make the Fiesta ST work for him. I would too, Tyler, but I suspect it's just the amount of time it sounds like you spend in your car, it's just going to be a little too small and not nice enough mm-hmm. to just saw miles in that car. If you told me I, all I drive every day is back roads, let's talk about the Fiesta <laughs> ST again. Sling sure. those suitcases from one side to the <laughs> sure. other. But I think it's not, not going to be nice enough, whereas the Mazda 3 hatch, great gas mileage, would be nice. I do think that's a real front-runner contender. I like your Civic and even the Hyundai there, Paul. But here's where I went. I thought, all right. If we're going to get out of this Lexus, you've enjoyed the fun of it. Mm-hmm. I want to get you into a wagon, a good usable wagon that I think is going to be pretty reliable for you. But I want to keep some fun. Okay. So 
You mentioned that the TSX wagon was on your list before you got into the Lexus. So I have to ask, <laughs> why isn't it on the list now? Why isn't it still on the list? Yeah, or I, I mean, why are we ignoring it? You I, mean? I, I'm putting it there because you know you may have an answer, Tyler. Or maybe it's supposed to be off the list, but I want to I want to just mention again. You brought it up. You almost mm -hmm. bought one the last time. Mm -hmm. You know, you're gonna get yourself at least a 10 year newer car. So let's talk about TSX wagon. I'm just putting that there because you brought it up. The two others are. You realize that the last gen Subaru STI was still offered in a wagon. Yeah. Bigger than the Fiesta ST. Yeah. Going to have gas mileage probably if you're if you're not hooning it. If you're hooning it, it will be less. But maybe a little bit better even than your Lexus. You can probably pull 25 out of that car. So I did, I'm just okay. a tiny bit better. Okay. I admit, only a tiny bit, but a little bit better. And it's an STI. It would be fun. There's a million ways for people to keep those running forever. They run really hot. They're Hooner cars, and yet it's a wagon. Now, I yeah. wish they still offered that wagon, but it's a wagon and it's fun. Yeah. So look at that last gen STI wagon, and with twenty five grand in your pocket, you would have your pick of last gen STI wagons. You could find the one you like. And then I went wild card. I mean, serious <laughs> okay. wild card. Moment of inspiration here. Yeah, it was weird. I, these cars are going to cost you probably fifteen. To okay, 20. So okay. you got money left over. But I just thought, I'm finding you a rare, interesting, fun-to-drive wagon. Follow along with me here. The Mitsubishi Rally Art Sportback. What this is. Huh. Let me explain what this is because they are – look, huh. I just I looked them up. And when I looked nationwide, I found like 10. Okay? This is not a – however, I did find one 10 miles from where we're sitting in Park City, which made me go, <laughs> do I need what? Uh, which is a terrible thought that happens to my brain every time I find a weird do car. Do I need that? Exactly. It's close by. Uh. Hmm. I, I, have, I have weather here. I could use a wagon. <laughs> I have a kid and a dog. Hmm. Let's get rid of the orange car and get it. What am I doing? Wait, that's, that's, wait, this is how my head works. Anyway, but no, here's what it is. You, everybody knows, and of course I talk up, the Mitsubishi Evo, the Lancer Evo, which is there, if you follow me in Subaru parlance, it's their STI. It's the mm -hmm. big boy. Yeah, yeah. Nobody really talks about the Rally Art, which for the Evo 10, the Rally Art is essentially the WRX equivalent. It's the low to mid 200 horsepower, most of the bells and whistles of the Evo X, but not quite. Mm -hmm. So it's got mm -hmm. the similar all-wheel drive system, but not quite as good. It's got a little bit less power, but it's... Most of an Evo X for cheaper. Okay. For a few years, they made it in what they called this Rally Art Sport. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong here. Rally Art Sport Wagon. Uh, Sportback. That Sportback is wagon. It is the Rally Art. Pardon me. It is the Lancer wagon shape in 250 horsepower form with their SST gearbox. Hmm. So it's a good auto. It's got good power. It's a hatch. It's not common, and they're 15 to 20 grand. This is a moment of inspiration. Yeah. Cool seat. I mean, good seats. Uh, yeah. it, it, you're, look, here's the thing. This is not – you're not buying a base Lancer. You're not. You're buying right. an almost right. Evo. That's the key thing here. So seats, power, dynamics are almost an Evo. Hmm. But yet it just says Lancer Rally Art on the badge, and it's this kind of – I will admit, kind of atypical-looking wagon. But you can find them. And you already drive a very unique car. I'm putting you into something else unique. I think the gas mileage is going to be, you know, probably mid twenties again. I didn't. I'm, I'm not doing well on the gas mileage request. I admit. That's all right. But That's you're right. going to I mean, jump. You're going to jump almost 15 years in car tech. Even, even the bad Lancer interior will be a technological step up. 
It will be. And yeah, I, when I was will. looking, it I will. found a guy who'd taken his rally art wagon. Of course, I looked at it. It was orange. He'd taken his of rally art wagon. Of course it was. And he has it currently tuned to 480 wheel horsepower. Oh, my gosh. You don't need that car, by the way, Tyler. I'm not recommending that car. But my point is, this is a WRX. Mm-hmm. It's a Mitsubishi equivalent. Mm-hmm. So there's my wild card. Uh, Mitsubishi Rally Art Sportback replaces your very unique IS300 Sport Cross. There's a sport theme going here, too. There you go. I like. Very interesting. Well, I'd like to introduce this as part of the debate for both these guys. Okay. In terms of reliability, mm-hmm. are we going to start talking about electric cars as the pinnacle of reliability from mm. here on out? Because of just by virtue of fewer moving parts. No parts, yeah. I mean, a tune-up consists of what? <laughs> you need brake pads. What are and we doing? scene. Yeah, yeah that's really. Much, we're I done. mean, you're, yeah. you're kind of yeah, yeah. looking at everything the way a pilot walks around the plane before you... Before you take off, you're just kind of eyeballing everything. Looks good to me. Generally speaking, everything's fine. (laughs) It's going to be sorted. Sure, yeah. I'm also curious about this uh, phenomenon of car manufacturers building cars for ride sharing. Mm, mm. The Chevy Bolt, being a great example, is designed and targeted specifically at Uber and Lyft drivers. It's the perfect car. Mm -hmm. It really is. I'm, I'm intrigued by this, and I'm just kind of thinking electric cars... Once they become at a price range where we all can, you know, think about having an electric car in our life, the twenty five thousand, you know, thirty thousand well, range, and think, and also the range category as okay. well. Once yeah, they're the all range running well. two hundred and fifty, three hundred miles for the range, and here's the other big thing that nobody talks about: how do you get them charged? I mean, I realize yeah. Tesla solved it, but when everybody's yeah. got that equivalent where you can charge it midday or you can go to this charge point and that doesn't matter anymore, then you're right; it becomes a really fascinating add-on to the discussion. I mean, it's not for either of these guys because no. of the mileage no. they go, you know, the distance they travel. But in terms of reliability, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, once we've got that, that's going to be an interesting discussion. Well, yeah. There, I mean, like you said, there's nothing really to go wrong. So, right. I mean, that's a big factor. That, that's interesting. I see that. I see that. Right. The problem with this disease that we talk about, the real problem, is at some point – you run out of either money or places to put your cars. Now, if you've solved the money problem, you may still be like, well, honey, what do we park outside? And they have a real issue with that car just getting beat on by the weather. UVs are, you know, definitely a problem. Well, you're getting all technical about it. I was just talking about just weather and sun no matter where you are. Exactly right. So if you're in California or at the beach or you have a lot of sun, absolutely Covercraft has the products for you. They've got dash mats. They've got car covers like we're talking about. All kinds of stuff. You have turned me into a believer about the sunshade. I have to admit. It keeps the car cooler. Mm-hmm. It protects your instrument panel. It protects from UV damage, all of that stuff. Don't forget to use the word debate when you're checking out at Covercraft.com for free shipping in the U.S. The next car debate is actually John writing to us from Seattle. Thank you, John. And uh, he, you describe this as a weird one. And you describe it as a weird one because you've wound up with a hand-me-down car. Mm. You have a 2008 BMW X3 has 100,000 miles, it's been in multiple fender benders, and it's been smoked in. This is the, these are your opening <laughs> headlines. Not good headlines, my friend. But, John, you just – due to your last car kind of dying on you and you needed, needed some help, this is the car you've wound up in. And kind of against your own better judgment, you've started to like it. <laughs> yeah, he has. He has. He says he's never really been a fan of crossovers. But it's growing on him, mm-hmm. so that he calls this out as the old school hydraulic steering. Yeah, it yeah. is old school at this point, isn't it? It's weird. It's yeah, kind of weird, weird to think, to think about. that. Yeah, we're in that world. Yeah, inline six. I've I've always kind of been intrigued by the X threes. 
Now there's the X1s and the X4s and soon to be the X2. The X1.5 will be in there at some point. In just in case. Because we have numbers. They're yeah. in a bin here. We'll just put a decimal point in. We'll have adding numbers and create other cars. Gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, you're calling it out for family purposes. It's still nimble and small enough. Although, you know, BMW, again, has identified market niches that we didn't think of that are <laughs> not quite as nimble and small. Anyway, so he's looking for modern stuff. Mm-hmm. It's an 08, which is not not modern. It's still considered a modern car. But yeah. after, you know, having 100,000 miles and you're thinking about maintenance in the future, that kind of thing. And it sounds like your wife definitely is having some input here for modern conveniences. All the yeah. Bluetooth stuff, better fuel economy. Yeah, built-in nav, headlights, the LED headlights, well, and he's, you know, that kind of thing. He's worried about when does this car start to go really wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. clearly had a hard life before it got John. It's right. got 100,000 right. miles. He's just starting to feel like, look, it's not worth anything because of the, the, the dings it's been in. But he's worried about when does it start to really be just a budget burner. And let's get into something else before that. So he's actually, as a result of this car, here's what's interesting. He is really looking at... The crossover vehicle, the SUV mm-hmm. crossover mm-hmm. area. He's liking the ride height. He actually says he likes the ride height mainly because it's easier to get kids in the car, which, you know what? I have to see what you're saying there. I get it. Uh, so that's actually something that's become an important factor. He's wanting something that is kind of like what he likes about the X3, which is the steering feels nice and it's better to drive than he expected. But he doesn't like the look. He doesn't like the look of most SUVs. And he'd like it to maintain the good things of the of the X3, hopefully lose the bad stuff, be newer, and have tech. And here's the twist. You have a friend who actually <laughs> can get you a really good deal on a Jaguar F-Pace. You don't and you and you and you go ahead and you kill the usual suspects from us. You don't like the cayenne. Okay. And the and your budget doesn't allow you to get into a used Macan. So you could get into an F-Pace for about 400 a month. You have a buddy that can set you up with that, which is the upper edge of your budget. And so you're looking at that going, I like the look. I like the ride height. It seems to check all the boxes. You're asking us, is there anything you're missing? Should you even consider an F-Pace? Is that going to be its own money pit? These are the questions. Internet's still not telling me the price of a car I'm looking for, but I do like this suggestion for the F-Pace. I'd like it. I'm still coming back to the reliability aspect, and I wonder. I feel like it's going to be a lot better than, you know, we're thinking about Alpha. You know, we're... We're worried about Alpha. We are. That's the truth. You know, we've had a lot of discussions up to this point about, okay, you know, once these come down in price, they've got miles on them, and then should you? Should you even go there because Mm -hmm. of that, that concern? I don't think the concern is as much, and especially if you're buying a brand new car... Warranty's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Now, John doesn't give us a particular budget. He speaks in terms of, as you said, just the monthly payment budget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to caution you just in terms of, you know, that's what car dealers always ask. They always yeah. position your budget in terms of what can you pay per month? You can do 400. You could do 425. Right. Just don't go to Starbucks a couple extra times. There's, you can, there's uh, scope there you creep. Yep. There's, Absolutely. You, you get out and you mm-hmm. think, oh, well, that's not that much more. So 
I, I want to caution you on that. Always settle on the final price of the car, mm, and mm. then what does that work out to be from a sure. monthly standpoint? Because sure. then you can say, all right, 48 months, 60 months, 72 months. Now there's like 89 months or exactly. 106 <laughs> months. It's, it, it's, it's getting nuts. You're it right. is because yeah. they think, oh, well, if I lowered that car payment, mm -hmm. it feels mm -hmm. better. I can get you into something more expensive. Yeah. So yeah. again, with a note of caution, but – I like the fact that your friend can do this for you mm -hmm. and you could instantly be in this F pace, which I am all about. I'm digging this. They're thing. cool. They're very cool. And it is, it is a way for you to get into a better car for not much more money. I mean, you bring yeah. up here that you could get a GTI, but the GTI that you would want would cost you almost the same as the F pace and the F pace you're more interested in. And you feel like, because it is, a, I mean, base price, it is a higher car. You feel like you'd rather be in the F pace than spend about the same money for the GTI you've been eyeing. Okay, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to argue with that. I think the F pace, uh, honestly, it's you're you're writing to us and saying defend my choice, and in many ways, right. I want to say yeah, I think that's true. I have got uh, three others I do want to bring up though. Okay, three. Yeah. Do you have any others on your on your list? I do. I'm looking at the Volvo XC60, and that is the I had a all new. Would. I thought you would. I yep. keep coming back to this just in terms of refinement and really stepping up to you know. <laughs> A different class than that X3, mm -hmm. John. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm looking at this, and what I'm trying to do online here is build my own X60 while I'm talking, and the internet still <laughs> won't give me a price. So we don't quite know what the final price will be. Of course, when it's you know all optioned out, how you like it, it's it's not going to be inexpensive. But I'm just wondering, yeah. is it yeah. going to compete right alongside that Jag F-Pace mm. in terms of price? Because the F-Pace is a fairly good size. Yeah, it's not huge though. It's it's. It's right in there with X60, but larger than a Macan, smaller than a Cayenne. What do you call that? It's slot? in that range. It's it's like the it's like the midsize five seat, whereas the yeah. you know some of these yeah. are like the small five seats. Yeah, uh, John, I have a friend whose girlfriend and now wife went from an X3, and she was a surfer. She is a surfer. She went to an Audi Q5. And she really loved it. Okay. And similar price point, you know, kind of mm -hmm. that SUV, hold surfboards, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went to that and, again, really dug it. So I cannot ignore mm -hmm. the Q5. I, I like the yeah. space. I like all of that stuff. Of course, modern. The interiors are gorgeous. And yeah, I, yeah. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with this car too so don't ignore the q5 i've brought it up before mm -hmm. but that's if you want to stay in the german i like that engineering i like how the car feels yeah. german quality but you're going to pay for it again but you're going to pay uh, less than you i mean you get well, a used one for a lot less than a macan the macans well, aren't true. coming down the q5s are cons are not coming you could down you right could now. find a q5 yeah. for his budget or maybe even surprise himself with the q5 you could find I, I like that for that reason for sure it's just hard to ignore the if you can get a special hot deal from your friend mm -hmm. it's hard to ignore that yeah. i mean that's yeah. the kicker for this it's sure. not like we're take that 400 dollars a month and put it over here towards a mm -hmm. similar q5 well that's going to get you less car true, than you could probably true. get with with the F-Pace, so I, I'm back in your play, too. I mean, if you could genuinely do this and keep it there, that's, again, my note of caution is to mm -hmm. keep it right at that price point so you don't blow it up too much because it's so easy to do. Oh, that's the price of a lunch. Oh, 415 420 no problem. <laughs> now you see what you've done, yeah. you know, yeah. but uh, well, and, I do like that. And the key thing I also want to bring up here, John, that I think is a, is a big, big factor because you're stepping out of a car that is almost a free car into a car payment. Yeah. And there is yeah. that kind of big gulp that happens where you go, is this going to be an even bigger hole in my budget than I fear? Mm -hmm. And that's where, on some level, the new car defends you a bit. But the other thing about this F-Pace this F lease that is interesting is that that's the thing. It's a lease. 
It's not a buy option. It's a right. lease. And I want right. to say that's the biggest thing I want to recommend to you, John, is you're going to put miles on a car. You're not sure which way to go. Lease something. Because then you're in for a couple of years, maybe three years. Mm-hmm. Yes, that money's going out the door, but you are in a no-worry situation as far as anything goes wrong. And when it's done, you don't have to think, hmm, do I keep paying for this? Is What about the mileage? Is that mileage coming where it's going to be really expensive? You just hand back the keys. Now, granted, I admit you're now going yeah. for a new lease, but you can really defend yourself in, on that fear that way. And as a result of talking lease, you actually brought up, should I be worried about the reliability of the F-Pace? Not if you lease it. No, not if you, you lease know. it. Now, Definitely, I agree. Look, there's the hassle factor. If the thing is always going wrong, there is the hassle factor. I do admit that. But I, I have not heard any horror stories so far on that F-Pace. I'm sure it has its issues, but lease it and move on. I think that's great. But on that category, I'm going to give you a couple others to suggest okay. here. All right. I don't know how soon you want to do this, but in the next six months to a year, the Alpha Stelvio will be out. Yeah, but back to the alpha thought about, well, if you're but leasing. But if we're leasing, yeah, okay, you can get around okay. that. It may, there may be hassle factor, but if you're leasing, that's the play. Because then you can go, will this be reliable? I don't have to worry about it in the long term. Hopefully it's not unreliable enough to be an issue. <laughs> so the Alpha Stelvio, because that's yeah, the sure. that's the, uh, the Julia Quadrifoglio chassis. It is, yeah. You know, in a, in a little bit bigger Brand form. New so chassis. I think that's worth considering if you're yeah. talking lease. I have to ask, what about a newer X3? Is that not on the table for some reason? I'm wondering in terms of price, if you Maybe. if they Maybe. might. Uh, I'd have to build one. Mm-hmm. On the website here, but I'm well, just wondering if that. Would I, yeah, I suspect the that maybe the in the lease it's probably too much. Maybe the Stelvio is too much. I'm just throwing them out there as options. I don't know where your line is here. You've been a little unclear on that, so I have to bring up the usual suspect. Well, within your budget, reliable. You could probably spend less than you expect. You need to look at the Mazda CX-5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about that car again yeah. with, with the refresh. Mm-hmm. I recently saw the Long Beach Grand Prix, all of Mazda's current lineup, and they had all the new cars there. Mm-hmm. They had the RF there. So impressed with the the family, the lineage, the styling. It's so well done. I just, I'm yeah. pretty amazed. I really like it. And that new 2017 CX-5 just looks It looks great. Money. Inside and out, it looks great. And yeah. even if you got, I mean, look, a new one would be well within your budget. You could even get a used one if you wanted to save yourself further money. I'm not sure where the money factor is here. So it's a little bit gray, but I'm yeah. hoping that something yeah. in there, I mean, these are all the great options in this category. I think you could find something cool, especially the lease thing saves you some some concern, I think. So I think that's definitely the way to go. Agreed. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for writing the questions. If you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And on the website too. So you can find us on the website and email messages directly from the website. Yes, as well. definitely. We talk about turbocharged engines so much and how Everybody's much horsepower you can extract. Porsche's turbocharged well, now. Yeah. We can't avoid it. Exactly. The turbos are turbo, but the whole rest of the lineup is too. Well, the turbos bring their own problems as well, like heat soak, strain on parts, strain on the engine. But the industry standard test that Amsoil Signature Series uses is four times better than their competitors in protection and deposits. That test sounds boring, but they've really exceeded it. Exactly. Well, if you want to get every torque out of that turbo... 
Go to amsoil.com and look up your car on their lookup table yeah. right there so you know exactly which product to use for your car. We've got many, many, many questions. Did I say many yet? This is going to be that's, fun. that's what's going on. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're Everyday Driver on all of them. Thank you guys for writing in. <laughs> I've picked quite a few. I think you've picked even more. So what do you have to start? <laughs> I love that you posted a picture of your son as Mini Vader in front of your car today. Well, he had, so he had, cute. He had that on. He so had on the little cute. hoodie. It's, it's a hoodie with a Vader hood on it, which is kind of insane, but yet at the same That's time, tailor-made for my son. It really is. It's, it's like it's just, these marketing people know your kid. It is. It is. And yes. you have to mm -hmm. buy that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I guess oh, we're yeah. buying it because it He's fits got you. tons of it. There it is. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm scrolling down here. So many questions. Ariopolis says, at what point did you guys find enjoyment in driving cars beyond just mashing the gas pedal? So mm. what was that thing? What was the epiphany? It was a while back. Of course, I, as you know, I went to design school to design cars. Mm -hmm. I was drawing them in the mm -hmm. margins of my math notebook paper and geometry class in high school. And, you know, who, who drives, who draws furniture or eyewear? And no, you draw cars with superchargers yeah. and antennas and lifted <laughs> suspension and you just invent stuff. Cra crazy wings and explosions coming out of the tailpipe. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I think it was a job that I worked in California, and I lived up at the west end of uh, San Fernando Valley. Okay, yeah. And I worked farther down in Santa Monica and took Topanga Canyon Road Ooh. every day yeah. for work. Yeah. And I had a Honda Accord at the time, 1992 Honda Accord. It was green, everybody. Mm -hmm. You remember that? And it was spotless. Well, yeah. It was, it was spot. I tried to this is the it. origin of certified Paul owned, was that car. <laughs> yes. I sold that for 2500 bucks. And that person got a deal. They got a deal. They got a great car. Yeah. They got the cleanest Honda Accord from that uh, Genesis of, of all time. It's just, there it is. It was yeah. great. Anyway, yeah, fond memories. So I drove this car, and surprisingly, when you ring any car out, oh, yeah. it kind of comes to life. Absolutely. And I found myself doing this road every day, back and forth, and that was the highlight of my day. Mm. That was the mm. thing I look forward to most because I could do corners both directions. Sure. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then I, I just, I thought, all right. And then I'm ringing things out more and I'm thinking, now I'm kind of feeling the edges of tires. Huh. Tires. I've never really thought about that yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of progressed from there. And then you and I started to buy sports cars. And, <laughs> yes. you know, that was it, the beginning it, of it the progress. end. But yeah. a Honda Accord, everyone, it, it can be done. You can find enjoyment in just about every, any car that you're driving. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the. I guess the genesis for me, even sure. though I loved cars, you and I have, you know, long history of yeah, loving yeah. cars mm -hmm. and it goes way back. But, you know, just when I started to discover, wow, I can hang on to speed and look mm -hmm. how I'm really caught up to that car in front of me now. Yeah. And I, tr you know, try it and everybody's just kind of slogging along through the corners <laughs> and I'm like backing off, you know, I'm deliberately breaking and backing off, giving myself space and then catching up and doing the corners faster. And we became those guys stuff. quickly, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, uh, I have to say California for me too, for sure. Really? Because no kidding. Well, growing up in Texas, well, it's yeah. not, it's not about fast, very fast. That, that's what it's about. It's about how fast does this go? Oh, look what happens when I push on the gas. There really wasn't. And that's what he's talking about else. beyond that. Yeah. What was but, it? But it was two things. It was the California roads combined with, you remember this car I had briefly, I had an Audi 90, that's right. A Speaking of unreliability, Audi ninety. Oh yes, that was a that was a flaming hole in our budget for the six or eight months that we owned it. Oh my gosh! But we had a nineteen ninety Audi ninety, and at the time that I got into that car, it was the smallest car I'd ever daily driven. It was little. It was small, That's and right. it was. And what I discovered very quickly is it was just chuckable. 
It was hmm. tiny and chuckable. It wasn't overly fast. wasn't overly amazing. It wasn't all-wheel drive, was it? No, no, it was no, just front drive. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. But it was really chuckable. And so parts of my commute that before I actually was in a, believe it or not, I was in a massive hand-me-down original generation stick shift Ford Explorer before that. Remember that, too. Which, by wow. the way, I think to this day uh -huh. had the most needlessly loud engine in history. Not, I mean, you have a GT350. Uh, that engine should be loud because it's fun. Right. There's no reason for a Ford Explorer to have a loud engine. That that just had an no. inexplicably loud engine. But it was but it was standard transmission. So anyway, but I, I stepped out of that into this Audi 90, by far the smallest car I'd ever driven. And I discovered that my commute suddenly was more interesting because the car was so light and chuckable. And then my next car was the 300ZX. That's right. That was, that was the progression. That was a huge yeah. leap. But then that was the car I started going, if there's so many good roads here. Because I used to drive a section of Mulholland to get into That's Hollywood. right. And so that, that was That's so right. much more fun in the Audi 90 than it had been in the Explorer. Then when I got the Z car, it was like, I have to go find roads like this that are not part of my commute and don't have traffic. And that's when the kind of every weekend I would go spend – 200 miles of in, in the car and just go seek out canyons and drive across L.A. to find this great canyon road. And that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, there it was. And you had 18s on that car. It had aftermarket wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're both looking at each other going, wow, look at the tires on this thing. I wonder, I wonder, you know, what can this do? Yeah, that that was fun when you brought that home and we were just giddy. It was the beginning car. of the end. That That's that's like the disease full bore. There's when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad that there's such a 300Z community out there because mm -hmm. we're starting to see nicer ones at various car shows that are really yeah. well taken care yeah. of. You know, just this enthusiast has sort of kept it going, brought it mm -hmm. to life. We're not just bashing them into the ground and fast and furiousing them to we death. Were, we were at a car stuff. show this past weekend Yeah, for a, company, a local company here called Rally Sport Direct. So we'll give them that quick shout out because they had a gathering that Huge. was enormous. Huge. It was enormous. All kinds of cars you can imagine from exotics to – it was practically sponsored by Subaru because they do a lot of Subaru parts. But there were all kinds of stuff there. And you and I were both there in, in our cars. And uh, It was interesting to see they had a lineup of 300ZXs there. Mm. And that just made me kind of stand around them for a while and be like, I miss having one. They're so super cool. Mm. And that actually yeah. leads to another question. Somebody asked, uh, Johnny asked on uh, Instagram. This relates perfectly. Thank you, sir. You said, what brought me more joy, 300Z or the FRS? Ooh. And I Ooh. actually... I, Look, I have a there's a nostalgia thing with the 300ZX. There really is. And I just I have a soft spot because of what that car means in my kind of car history and car development. But I actually want to say the FRS. Really? Now, I I will admit, way more power in that Z. Not as much as you think cuz see I didn't have the twin turbo. No, it just felt faster though. That Z, me. that Z was 220 horsepower. And 3,100, 3,200 pounds. The FRS is 200 horsepower. Well, okay. Hmm. At altitude, actually at the okay. wheels it was less. But it's rated at 200 horsepower, and it weighs 2,700 pounds. Hmm. The, the FRS is better balanced than the Z. Now, if I'd had a twin okay. turbo, I, see that. I might – this might have changed my feeling. But the – and also the FRS is – it's set up to be – a great handling chassis. The 300ZX is set up a little more to be your all-purpose GT car that is also fast. They've got a slightly different, like, out-of-the-box setup. Okay. So I think right. the twin turbo might have changed my mind, but personal experience, that FRS is just I, – I, I didn't even tell you this. I was out earlier with my son, mm -hmm. and we were running some errands, and we had an opportunity to go up that nearby road in town 
that has the ski jumps. Oh, yes. And uh, there are roundabouts <laughs> at the bottom. Therapy road, I as just I call thought, it. <laughs> well, but I, w- I was like a shake-the-dust-off drive. Sure. We were out. Sure. It was a gorgeous day. Yeah, I've got the summer tires on now. It was, you know, in the 50s, almost 60s, perfect weather. And I just I had a minute, and I turned to my son, and I said, hey, can we run up that road real quick? And he said, yeah, let's do that. So he didn't say it that deep because his voice isn't that deep yet. But you know what I mean. So I, I promptly exited the roundabout sideways. Nice. And then headed up the road. Nice. The FRS is just easy for all of that. It's just yeah. easy. Now, granted, I'm a different driver than I was with the Z. Maybe if I had the Z back, I'd feel differently. Sure. But I think it's a little bit better chassis. I really do. Hmm. Well, that ties in with another question. Back to Instagram, and keeping with the theme, JB Tances 15 is asking – is there an optimal ratio of weight to horsepower? In other words, is hmm. it better to make a lighter car more powerful, like a Miata, Fiesta ST, your car, or a heavier car and lighten things up? M3, Cayman, Mustang. Hmm. Well, taking the heavier car and lightening things up is what race teams do. I'll give you yeah. an example. The Pirelli World Challenge car from BMW is the M6 that hmm. they've stripped everything out of. It's now just a shell. added seats. more power. It's a huge <laughs> GT car. I never saw that coming. But then I think, all right, what other car would they have used? Maybe an M4. Yeah. I would think M4 would be a bit better choice there. But they went with M6. Interestingly, it's competitive. It's fast. But that's the heavier car lightening things up. Todd and I have talked a lot about the 250, 260 range on up to 300 for the S2000. Mm. That Mm. 240 is great. We'd love to see 260, 280, somewhere in there for that size and and weight of car. That's really, that'd be a sweet spot. Just a bit of punch, not too powerful. It's not just, you know, crazy, ridiculous, smoke the tires everywhere (laughs) kind of thing. But I, I think somewhere in there, that 250, 300 in a light car, the heavier you go, of course, yeah. you know, you're going to have to add power. But, yeah, 300 in the in the first-gen Cayman was – I think they did it right. It was well, – more power is great. I'm all for it. You know, don't get yeah. me wrong. I would say first and foremost it's about balance more than it's about total weight. Now, I'm a guy that would sure, definitely say sure. weight is a huge thing. I would rather drive a lighter car than a heavier car. As you get heavier, it just gets – you get more and more insulated from I mean look look I'm going to go extreme here for a second but it's the difference between very, very extreme if you if you've ever flown in a Cessna mm-hmm. and yeah. you've flown in a commercial jet yeah or or just go regional jet the little regional jets that carry 25 people sure the CRJs versus are... yeah versus your typical southwest jet right right you feel total differences in those two things yeah. the the regional jet okay. feels like the sports car if you will and the and the southwest jet the uh, the what is it? Seven thirty-seven feels yeah. like a big SUV. This yeah, is kind of what we're talking about. Now you could make that seven thirty-seven. I'm just going to stay with my analogy here and run it into the ground. Pardon the pun, but you <laughs> let's could, hope you could, exactly. <laughs> you could make that seven thirty-seven lighter, but it's never going to be the light, agile thing of that regional jet. Mm-hmm. Now you might drive, fly in the regional jet and feel like I'm feeling too much here, but this is the same thing as the car world. It's just a way for us to kind of talk about extremes real quick. Mm-hmm. I would rather have the lighter car. I think it's more engaging. It responds more instantly. Yeah. Now, you can take the heavier car. Of course, you can change the setup, et cetera. But I would generally lean toward the lighter car. But first and foremost, it's chassis setup. It's balance. Where is the center of gravity? What's the chassis setup? How much body roll is there? Of course, a race team can take any car on the planet. Remember the days of the Volvo wagon race cars? Oh, yeah. The take 850 whatever. Turbo. Ugh. Yeah. Take whatever car you've Fantastic. got. 
and your factory-backed race team goes, this is what you're driving. And what does the race team do? They don't go, well, I'd really prefer – no, they go, okay, there's our race car. Let's build it out. So, of course, you Boys, can change. Boys, let's strip everything out of this car. Exactly. It's got to be fast. You can change anything. Care what it is. But I, but I feel like the light and well-balanced chassis is the better starter place every time. I mean, for you, what would be the optimal power for an Elise? For an Elise? For an Elise. Hmm. At, at the very low end of the scale in terms of weight, mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the lightest cars made. Mm-hmm. You can go nuts with power, but then is it undrivable? Is it just, okay, it's not really enjoyable at yeah. that point. Even the originals had, yeah. what, 160, 190? Uh, or was it less, less than, that? than that? It was like 130 or so. The original Still Rover engines. loads of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they've got the supercharged. It went up to 220, 240? Uh, somewhere in there, yeah. And it, and it gets more power earlier. The, the cam change is what changes with right. the supercharger. You've got more Does power down more? low. Does it need 300? Would it be <sighs> wicked, like... It's fast and awesome. But... Well, you hear about those people with the 300 and 400 horsepower releases, and that's just too much. I do yeah. feel like the high 200s on that car is right. Because when you okay. think about the fact okay. that the supercharged version is doing – I mean, again, we've told, told you 0 to 60 is irrelevant. But just for because it's a common language, the 0 to 60 on that supercharged release is like mid-4s. So, hmm. I mean, how how fast does that little tiny car need to be, you know? And and, and Dental honestly, records won't help anymore. Well, and you. as we discussed, we've watched the supercharged Elise spin on the track many times with journalists behind the wheels. The last thing right. it needs is right. 50 more horsepower so it can spin even faster, you know? <laughs> exactly. So I don't think exactly. – but, but I'll say stay with the FRS, okay? okay? I think the optimal for that car would be mid-200s and on the outside 300. Because beyond yeah, that, yeah. What you, now it's a it race becomes, car. At that well, now it becomes, an, but it becomes an imbalanced car. Sure. You and I have talked about that. this with the M3, M4. My, cons, my concern, or that's, that's too strong a word, but the reason I don't like the current version of the M3, M4 as much as past versions is I feel like they are a power-first car now. And in the generations prior, I feel like they were a balanced package. Mm. Everything was in, was in balance with each other. And now it's like, by the way, we're really powerful. And then everything else is a stutter step behind. That's the thing about an Elise or an FRS with power. I don't want the, it to become a, this is a powerful car. It's not the point. Let's get it powerful mm-hmm. enough that the power feels on par with everything else it does well, which is the chassis balance and the handling. They aren't powerful enough for that to be an equivalent. <laughs> it's keeping with another question on here. I, I swear, I, you know, we're not trying to thread everything together, but the themes but here are so happening. great. It's still happening, yeah. AJ on Facebook said, if Porsche made the Kia Soul, would that be the best SUV ever? I'm yes, AJ. grinning. AJ. Yes, AJ, it would. For Paul, it would. He would just go ahead and buy the Porsche Soul and Porsche off we go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, That's I'm so funny. Horrified. Strangely, no. Really? Strangely. And here's why. Okay. It's so much fun to extract as much power as you can out of this underpowered engine. Sure. And keep it at redline. Sure. I mean, <laughs> the kind folks at Avis keep doing this to me whenever I rent cars. I was in Ann Arbor recently. <laughs> they don't think of you as kind, by the way. You're not on their kind renter list. They're kind. They're great folks. And uh, every time I've rented, like I said, I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a great town. It was warm and Main Street there. It just has a lot of cool shops and restaurants. I really enjoyed it there. So I, I rented a car, and it was a brand-new Toyota Camry. And by new, I mean it had five miles on it. Whoa. They keep giving me these brand new cars without really understanding yeah, what they're doing. Yeah, notice to the rental agency, do not back the car <laughs> off the car transport and hand it to Paul. I was trying everything. I was, you, uh-huh. know, I was, I, you know, engine break-in, what's that? I, I, 
hanging out a red line engine everywhere breaking. we go. You were engine braking. Yes. The thing is just super reliable, mm-hmm. unfazed, yeah. nothing. It doesn't have enough power when I turn traction control off to overcome itself. So no <laughs> fun there. All right. But I think, all right, you know, something just like that, you know, on the Kia, I'm trying to extract all this power. And so with the camera is driving everywhere just by foot to the floor with my gas pedal <laughs> and just modulating my speed with the brake. So I would just, I would tear away from stoplights. Oh, it would just put the power down and I was gone. Cars. And people are going, a fast camera. What happened to that camera? The camera just smoked me off the line. What, how did, where did that, <laughs> huh, that's a weird sight. Yeah. But I was just like redlining the thing. Step off the brake, and it, it didn't even break loose. It would just go. It would just go. Which so is hilarious. Is that your concern with the Kia? Is that if it was Porsche, it would be powerful enough now to kind of lose that character? It would kind of lose the character, and it would be too expensive. That's, well, that's kind of why I like the Soul so much. The typical Porsche it's, has an entire Kia Soul worth of option cost. It does. It I mean, does. Go buy yourself the base, base Boxster. You can buy it, and quickly, when you check, oh, I'd like that. I'd like that, too. I'd like that, too. Guess what? Whole Kia Soul. You can choose which cow you would like wrapped around your air vent slats yeah. with yeah. Porsche. Yeah. You, you, and because you pay dearly for this, All of too. the cars I've gotten into in my life, I keep thinking, you know, if only these air conditioning vents were leather wrapped, yeah. this would be a nice car. Then it would really that's make it luxurious. That's really been the thing I've been missing. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the first thing I'd check. Yeah. So strangely, it's this character the Kia has. It's well okay. built. It's fine as okay. it is. $18,000 or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just so fun to try to get that power out of it and try to make it dance and all this stuff. Sure, it's just, sure. it's got a character all of its own. We are accidentally finding threads in the questions we've picked because you just talked about Camrys. Our friend Brian wrote in on Facebook and he said he drives a toaster, as he describes it. Camry with a spoiler, paddle shifters, and dark gray. Yep, you're in a to- toaster. It is. Oh, however, if it didn't have the spoiler, you'd be in the ultimate toaster. But, you know, <laughs> the, this is from the Toyota book of, of planning. If you put a spoiler on it, it's now a sports car. So congratulations. But his question is, how do I convince my wife that I should get a Fiesta ST? Hmm. And you know what, Brian? There's an easy solve here. There really is. My wife, who actually, you know, first off, she puts up with me. But secondly, she's learned a lot about cars by, because I won't shut up about them. She still doesn't get the Fiesta ST. We'll see one. And she's like, that's just a stupid little hatch. Why, mm-hmm. why do I care? Mm-hmm. This is a car that unless you're an enthusiast, it's not on your radar. And you don't look at it and think, that's a hot car. So what you say to your wife, now I'm assuming, Brian, I'm putting a lot of assumption in here. I'm assuming you have another car in the family. This isn't like the family car because that's going to be harder. So if it's your car and you want to get out of the camera, here's what you do. Here's what you do. You say, honey, I want to save us a little bit of money because as we've talked about before, Fiestas are cheap. I'm going to get a little runabout economy hatchback. You sell the Camry. You buy the Fiesta ST. She's not going to look at the Fiesta ST in the driveway and think, you lied to me. That's a sports right, car. Right. No. Now, don't get all She's the- going to think you saved money. Don't get all the- she brought, You probably did. Don't get all the colors I would buy. <laughs> don't listen to Uncle Todd. There's no oranges. There's no greens. There's no bright blues. You've got to go- You've got to go black or silver. Okay? All right. But then you pull that car, park that in the garage, she's going to be like, well, yeah, you saved us money. The monthly payment's less, and it's a little hatchback, and what do I care? Now, she probably shouldn't see the insurance bill because it's probably going to be higher. But my point is, little nothing hatchback- Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the only thing about it is going to be that it's manual. Otherwise, there's no indicator. I say you just get one. She's not going to be any wiser. I mean, at some point it'll come up, I realize. It's not like go, I'm saying go lie to your wife because, trust me, I'm married. I get that. that that'll never but go good. 
No, no, that's all bad. But my point is, you're not going out and buying a flashy car. You're buying what to the rest of the world is an economy Ford wagon. By all intents and purposes. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. But it just happens to be hoonable fun. It's great. All right. Oh, hey, Charlie. Charlie James wrote us. Yeah, yeah. He asks that I am – he's saying, I'm normally the F1 follower – and as of this podcast, congratulations, Valtteri Bottas, for winning the Sochi yeah, GP. Yeah. He won the Russian Grand Prix, mm-hmm. his first F1 win. Huge mm-hmm. congratulations. You know the saying, if you want to win, get a fin. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That exists. It's true. It's because they train them to drive well in general. And then yeah, they're all they driving on ice. <laughs> it's true. All right. So Valtteri has won his first F1 race in Russia. Huge congrats. Yes, I was uh, definitely following that. But he's asking, how do we like the shakeup this year? I mean, Ferrari had the pole locked out for the first time in nine years, and they were second and third. Surprisingly, Lewis couldn't find speed, and he was fourth, even though he's still up in the mix. It's still, you could say, F1's boring. It's just Ferrari and Mercedes. Well, talk about a tire, you know, science for that. That's pretty amazing. But I think it's great. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love the domination. I love the Mercedes team. Ferrari is awesome. I I just, you know, the brands I like better are Porsche, McLaren, you know, all those exotics as well. Not surprised. None of us are shocked. I'm still having trouble with the Ferrari thing, I guess. I I thought Mm. I was a huge Ferrari fan, and then I just, you know, I I guess not. I, here's the thing, and I'm not a, I'm not the major F1 follower among us, but I will say this. It is the kind of the over-regulated racing series, which is too bad. Yeah, but yeah. I wish, in spite of saying that, I wish that every year somebody was dominant. I wish that you yeah. could change things so enough it wasn't the same that that people things. can be. I mean, the reason Mercedes was dominant, my little bit of knowledge here, is that when they went to this turbo thing, Mercedes did a totally different turbo setup than everybody yeah. else. Yeah, but it was still within regulation, and they came out of the gate and destroyed everyone year one. I loved that for year one. My question was, why wasn't there enough advancement or changes in regulations that somebody else did that year too? Hmm. You know, Mercedes did it this year because they looked at the regs and we went, you know, we could do. I wish there was enough room for people to try things that there was somebody every year that just pulled off something insane. Mm-hmm. You know, but Mercedes, I mean, F1 doesn't really allow that. And Mercedes, because they did that out front thing under the current regs, like everybody else tried to figure out under the current regulations, how do we catch up? I just wish there was a way to do a little more, just kind of run around and be nuts. And not so incremental. It's it's the yeah. equivalent here of letting all the baseball players take steroids. I mean, man, would that be entertaining for the rest of us? <laughs> Records would be shattered left and right. Yeah. The games yeah. would be super entertaining. But, okay, then, yeah, the rampant drug problem. <laughs> there is that little side note. Yeah, that's all bad. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. So uh, Nathan asked the question about our pilgrimage trip. Yes, we are doing a pilgrimage trip. In the next couple of weeks, we will have sign-up available. Uh, and those of you that have actually put your names in as wanting more info will be the first to know. But we do have a date for that trip that is essentially uh, Labor Day week this year. So mm-hmm. it will be yeah. uh, that first week of September. Uh, Monday through Thursday is the trip, I believe. I don't have it in front of me. I believe that's the like the 4th through the 7th. Or the yeah, third, something like that. Something somewhere in that range. That'll be our pilgrimage trip. We are doing it this year, so uh, look for more info on that. We will, of course, let you know when the sign up is available on the website. That is a couple weeks away. We're very close now, and we're definitely going. It's sort of like the soft open, right? That was yeah. the soft rollout, kind of. I mean, well, we've got the date. 
Yes, but you can't check the website yet to see right. for sign up. It will. It's going to cost about the same as it did last year, but we're doing a little, few little changes to the trip and keeping the price about the same. It's very exciting. We're very, very excited. Right. Well, Barbara P. writes on Facebook about which super rare exotic car would get us the most excited if we spotted one while driving. Tracks, track days hmm. are excluded. Okay. Barbara, thanks for writing. I, I'm so glad you're following along, and uh, it's got to be up there. I, I uh, You and I have talked about for the rest of our careers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. never losing the enthusiasm that we had when we started and as I kids. Not. I hope not. Yeah. It's, and it's... Sometimes I can see how easy it is to do when you go to a car show and you're just inundated with so sure, many sure. Ferraris that you lose the, wow, there's another one. Wow. Okay. You could just tamp, mm -hmm. you know, tamp mm -hmm. it down just a little bit, but I'm still so excited by just, it doesn't even have to be super rare or exotic. I, I just get excited yeah. by hey, yeah. an enthusiast and you got this cool, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Of course, I'd love to see a Pagani on the highway. Yeah. I love that. Why would be awesome. But yeah. even a GT 350 R. Mm -hmm. I, I'm freaked out. Like, oh my gosh, there's a GT 350s. That's how cool is when that? When I see my first uh, Mazda RF on the oh, road yeah. in, in, the, in yeah. the metal, just rolling through real life, that's gonna be, I'm going to follow that car for sure. I'm going to wish I could fit in it, but I'm going to follow <laughs> that car. Kia Stinger for me. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, can see that. Yeah. Not an exotic, but yeah. it's almost like when these models with a lot of potential that we're looking forward to and you finally see one. Or yes. we finally get to yes. drive it, of course. They're out in public. Yep. But it's just, wow, there's the thing that I've read all about. And mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't even have to be super mm -hmm. expensive. But yeah. I would say, though, because I don't know when I'm going to get the chance to see one in this country, Koenigsegg. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. just Because I've seen Pagani wires in this country. I've <laughs> never seen a Koenigsegg. That would be very cool just because it's like, there's one. Not there even in uh, Monaco when no. you were there. No, I didn't see one in Monaco really? at all. No, no, no. But, I saw too, but also oh, stop. But also, and I, I didn't stop geeking out. Yeah. I was just there's not one but two. Are you kidding me? And I was Monaco is so far oh from anything gosh. resembling it, real life. It, it, is, it, it is. It's actually another. It's not just another country. It's another planet. It is. <laughs> Monaco is ridiculous. But uh, yeah, and I went in the extreme off season with my wife and still went. How much is this cost? Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How much yeah, are we uh -huh. paying? Yeah, yeah. Yikes. Did you see uh, this question about seats? I wondered if you had any thoughts on this. Robert Hopkins asked the question about comfortable driver seats mm. in cars under thirty grand because he feels like okay. that is the thing that everybody forgets. And I agree with you. That is the thing the accountants kill is the seats. They just do. I mean, look, witness the uh, the last year of the Mitsubishi Evo Ten. Oh, yeah, that actually got, hurt your back. I did. You got it's back a, problems because from bad seats. Here's here's how stupid I am. You <laughs> would think when the seats are bad and it starts to strain my back. I'd drive slower. No, no, I just hurt my back more. That that that's <laughs> exactly. that's how the car circuits guy work. you are. That's then. how the circuits work in my. I just tried to get the seatbelt to go tighter, which didn't work. Right. It just and then I had to go to the, you the bad yeah, foam bad. even more. But, so yeah, but so there's a perfect example, Robert. But I would say, a lot of our usual suspects have great seats. Go back a couple gens in the Evo. Get the Recaros in the Evo. Those were yeah. spectacular. And granted, that car is roughly close to forty grand, but not used. It's not. But honestly. The I, I'm sorry, I know I keep bringing it up, but the FRS BRZ, those seats are great. They are. They're really yeah. good. And the base seats and the Recaros in the Fiesta ST are both good. The, the mm -hmm. Recaros mm -hmm. can be a little tight if you're a bigger guy. And I, I remember driving the base seats on a couple of occasions. The base seats are still really good. Yeah, the Fiesta is fantastic. Yeah. I always look at seats in terms of the construction and being narrower. 
yeah. and not so Preferred. wide. Yeah. I think yeah. the mistake that a lot of American companies, at least, if they're not using the Recaro seats, mm-hmm. they're too wide. They're just the, – the bolsters are too yeah. far apart. Yeah. And it's really when it starts to you know become that sports seat. Recaro's figured it out. Yeah. You know, they do a great job. Of course, we've said it again. BMW and Volvo seats, they just yeah. – they're very good. They're very, consistently very, very good. Very, very good. Yeah. Surprisingly, you'd think Volvo. Yeah, just yeah. The the construction and everything that goes into it. And I'm fascinated from a, a furniture design standpoint. Sure, so I always are, looked yeah. at seat height yeah, yeah. and back angle and all those kinds of things, all the ergonomic things that go into it. But uh, yeah, excellent questions. Well, uh, we should go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, excellent questions. We are on the same day with Ike from Untitled. Podcast, untitled, untitled car show, yeah. car show. Correct. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we are actually on with him the same day you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. We recorded with him just a day ago. So, Ike, thank you again for having us Definitely. on. If you haven't checked his out, we have. He, he's interviewed us. We kind of got to rambling. It was Ninety it was minutes. Us. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we started. I I, I want to say thank you, Ike, and I'm sorry all all at once. But uh, yes, we were on the Untitled Car Show. He's got some great questions. We had a lot of fun with that. Uh, so we'll actually post a link to that episode when it when it comes out live. We'll post a link. But here was the thing for poor Ike, and maybe for you, the poor listener. We said when we started the podcast, would this be like an hour? He said, Yeah, generally it's about an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> Ninety minutes later, Paul and I went, Yeah, we really ought to stop this uh, because we just kind of, as we do, started talking. So there we go. But we're hoping to have Ike and many others on as guests on this podcast. That's why we're changing our gear so we can have it a much, much more guest-friendly podcast and Agreed. keep the audio quality level very high. So we're making a bunch of changes, and it actually is going to almost seem like we're actually in a podcast studio versus sitting in our houses on the phone, which is crazy. Exactly. Oh, I've got to answer Tyler's question. Tyler okay. F. on Twitter. Just before we go here, he's asking – What's our favorite car commercials? He's in love with this Japanese BRZ commercial that he sent the link to, which was great. I loved it. Tyler, mine is the Fiat 500 Abart from the Super Bowl of 2012. Yeah, with the model. The The, model in the street. The model. She was beautiful. The guy walking down the street. I'm not sure you like that for the car as much, but it is a great commercial idea. I'm digging this. It's very good. Yeah, so check that out. It's on YouTube. I have uh, to stay with the one I've mentioned before. Which? It's the original Nissan 300ZX commercial with Ken and Barbie. Oh, that's right. That's Where, right. Well, it's, it's actually not Ken. And, Ken's in it, but Ken loses to G.I. Joe, who shows up in the 300ZX and picks up Barbie <laughs> and, you know, gives oh. the high five and they're out. That and one's sunset. still awesome. Massive thanks, everybody, for, for following along. And uh, look for us on uh, Velocity Channel. We are on, what are we, episode six coming up? Actually, this week, I'm glad you brought that up. This week is going to be the first of our reruns. Now, don't don't get me wrong. There's not a lot of reruns, but this is such a weird hybrid season for us because we a bunch of our episodes are stuff that is reworked from YouTube. And then we have three that are brand new that have never been on YouTube before. So that means Looking forward to that. I need a little more edit time. <laughs> so what we're going to do now through the end of the season is every other week is a new one. But there's been a lot of you who missed the first few episodes. You weren't recording them yet or you weren't sure where to find it. So you'll still get to see those. So actually this week, uh, coming up Saturday, we'll mention it again on our uh, Friday podcast. Coming up Saturday is a rerun of our greatest hits, I I believe. All right. And, uh, And then the week to follow that is one we're very excited about. We'll tell you more about that in the week to come. Fantastic. Thanks again. Really, really appreciate all the support for listening, for watching. And until next time, everybody. Cheers.